Welcome to INV Unfiltered, the podcast from Bank Innovation and INV Fintech. Bank Innovation is an industry-leading blog, and INV Fintech is its sister accelerator. This is Tatiana Kulkarni, and today I am joined by Chris Skinner. Named as one of the top 40 fintech influencers in the world by the Wall Street Journal, Chris provides commentary on his blog, The Financer. Chris is also author of best-selling books, Value Web and Digital Bank. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Hey, Tatiana. It's great to be on the show. Thank you. So, Chris, tell me, in your most recent book, Digital Human, you've done an extensive case study on Ant Financial, which we know is a subsidiary of Alibaba and includes payment system Alipay as well as the uh, money market fund UA Bao. Um, what made you pick Ant? Well, Digital Human's theme is about the fourth revolution of humanity and how as we digitalize planet Earth, it includes everybody in the network, which means that anybody in the world can now pick up a cell phone and trade and transact and talk to anyone else in the world in real time directly across all continents. And in the development of that theme, it's fairly obvious that there's a new financial system being reimagined through the mobile network to include everyone. And financial inclusion is a big theme in both the book and in what I'm seeing around the world where four and a half billion people who have historically been excluded from the banking system because the banking system is physical are now being included in the financial system because the new financial system is digital. And Ant Financial uh, with Alipay uh, has specifically built a system that includes everyone. And at the moment, a lot of us may think that's everyone in China, but it's actually everyone in the world. So they're partnering with a lot of companies in other countries from India and Pakistan to Indonesia and the Philippines to provide open API application program interfaces, plug and play software. That means that any company in the world could launch a mobile payment system or money market fund or investment schemes and savings and loans using these open structures that come out of the largest internet giant in China, um, Alibaba. And equally, one of the key things that made me alert to this was in the World Economic Forum in January 2017, publicly announcing that they were aiming to get 2 billion customers, active customers, not users or accounts, 2 billion active customers by 2025. And when there's only 1.2 billion people in China, obviously they're not staying in China. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be my um, next question is, you know, what impact do you see Ant having on the rest of Asia, especially, um, you know, something like the Indian market where they're already invested in Paytm, for instance? Yeah, I mean, the company has two strategies. One is financial inclusion of people who have been underserved. And a good example is Paytm in India, where most Indians do not have bank accounts. Uh, in fact, Pakistan illustrates this particularly well in Isaiah last year, and only 20 million Pakistanis have bank accounts in a population of 200 million people. So 90% of the population are unbanked. Um, now, what's happened with Paytm in India, bearing in mind there's 1.2 billion people in India, is that they've announced they're aiming to get 500 million people banked in India by the end of the 2010s. And they're doing that in partnership with Ant Financial, who's their majority shareholder. Um, And they started out on this strategy at the beginning of this decade um, and have succeeded in moving from 
zero customers to 300 million in just um, six years. And, a lot of, and that's been helped a lot by demonetization in, in India, but to a large extent, yeah. the simplicity of what they're doing, which is just using QR codes to take and make payments. And so a QR code just means that on a smartphone, you take a picture of the code and that's the payment. It's incredibly simple, but then you put a lot of other features and functions into that QR code, which is that the merchant gets lots of information about the payment and equally that the uh, customer gets lots of coupons, discounts, loyalty schemes and uh, contextual information about their life and their particular payments as they go around using these codes. Um, there's no point of sale terminals involved. There's no complex technology involved, just a phone and a piece of paper or, or another phone. It's incredibly simple, much simpler than, than Apple Pay, for example. So if you look at Apple Pay or Android Pay, only a small percentage of Android and iPhone customers are using those services today. And yet in the same time frame that they've been rolled out, Apple Pay and Android Pay, you're seeing 97% to 99% of Chinese and Asian customers using smartphones as their main payment systems. It's an incredible phenomena and one that many people in America and Europe have uh, not actually seen. Interesting. So do you think China will be the first major economy to go contactless? Uh, they're not using contactless, but they'll be the first to go cashless. Um, cashless. And they already are. If you, look, if you look at the tier one cities of China, um, it's estimated they'll be cashless by, the, uh, by 2020, and that the whole of China will probably be cashless by 2025 or thereabouts. Um, the same with India, um, because it's the same technologies. Um, and so on the one hand, there's a strategy to roll out QR codes as a simple technology into economies that have been underserved. So they're doing the same in the Philippines, in Indonesia, in Thailand, in Pakistan. But they have another strategy for the developed economies, which is to enable Chinese tourists, and Alibaba has a, group, uh, a subsidiary called Alitours, to use the same payment wallet and system that they use at home, Alipay, in Europe and America. And they do this in partnership with First Data, Ingenico, Wirecard, and other European and American partners to enable all of the big stores from Neiman Marcus um, through to Harrods to accept Chinese tourist payments and equally to use the same loyalty programs, discounts, coupons, and contextual information that they have at home. And yet, if you think about what I just said, think of a small American startup that doesn't exist today, but it could exist tomorrow, that says, mm -hmm. we will take all of the APIs from and financial and allow all American consumers to use QR codes to get coupons, loyalty programs, discounts, and contextual information from every store without having to take their cards out anymore and just using simple QR codes. That's a card killer, in my view, because plastic right now um, is the thing that I use as most of my payments. And the reason why I don't use Apple Pay and Android Pay is that it doesn't give me any gain over using the card because all it's done is replicated the card in an app on my phone. Physically, I can see my picture of my card on my, app, my phone if I want to use it as a contactless terminal. But there has to be a contactless terminal, et cetera, et cetera. With QR codes, you don't have any of that. It's just incredibly simple. So just imagine a startup in the U.S. allowing any American to use QR codes at the same stores that are already enabled by Ant Financial because of Chinese tourists to take QR codes. And you've got something that's a card killer overnight. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we just kind of just stay tuned. <laughs> exactly. And I guess, Chris, exactly. you know, given that you spent so much time studying financial technology in China, I mean, what are a few of the things that Western bankers need to know about fintech in China, and what are some of the takeaways? Well, I, I travel the world looking at all the developments of financial technologies from Silicon Valley through Wall Street, uh, London and mm -hmm. Berlin and um, Europe, uh, as well as Asia and China. Um, and all the markets are different. Um, a lot of what's focused in the US and Europe is focused upon smoothing the friction of legacy infrastructure implemented in the last century. Whereas a lot of the things that you see in Asia, Africa, South America, um, is actually how can we take this new technology to enable us to do finance um, without any previous thinking of what was there before. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we've seen this leapfrog in China towards cashless payments using mobile phones, because they never had plastic cards for debit and credit, right. and they didn't have checkbooks, they didn't have bank accounts. So they've suddenly, in 15 years, jumped to the newest technologies and the new infrastructures of the 21st digital century. And what we can learn from that is, um, obviously, there's a different regulatory structure, which might prohibit a lot of the things that we see in China. But one of the things mm -hmm. in particular is that Tencent, Alibaba, Badu, which is the three big players in, in the internet economy of China, have integrated social, financial, and commercial all into one ecosystem in an app. And if you imagine, therefore, that the merger of Facebook, Amazon, and PayPal happen tomorrow, then you might get an idea of what they've got in China. If I'm doing something and I think, oh, I, I might buy that new book, Digital Human, by Chris Skinner, and I'd like to share that with my friends in Facebook, what I have to do is copy the link to Digital Human on Amazon and then go into the Facebook app and share the link. Uh, in Tencent's um, WeChat system and in uh, uh, the Alibaba system, you don't have to do that at all. You just seamlessly move between the social and commercial systems. And then, by the way, just pay with a, a swipe you know, or a QR code. Um, you don't have to leave the app again. You just stay in the app all the time. And that's the big difference. that Because they have this integrated economy structure of social, mobile, commercial, financial, all in one, it's driven this massive transformation. And if we could copy that transformation into Europe and America, then it would be great. But the reason why we probably won't is that I don't think the federal and state regulators would appreciate an integrated Amazon, Facebook, and PayPal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And another thing that's kind of interesting, um, particularly in China, is that for all its advancements in the payment space, there, there are still these pockets of um, underdeveloped territory in the credit and lending areas. I mean, do you see business development in, in these um, spaces picking up anytime soon? Well, they already are. I mean, if you're a merchant on the uh, Tibao Mao, which is the key-based star system of Alibaba, then what you can do there is, um, and this is how Alipay started, in fact, is you can get microloans for hours or days. You know, loans are not figured around the idea of a annual policy or an annual loan with annual APR. Uh, percentage rates of, uh, of of interest. I mean, the, the whole point of how Alibaba thinks is to get more 
e-commerce on their platform. So as a merchant, I can, um, originally when Alipay started, I wouldn't trust the customer paying me. So Alibaba created Alipay as an escrow service. So the, the merchant got paid as soon as they posted the goods and the customer paid as soon as they accepted that they liked the, the goods and they were to the order that they expected. So it's a little bit like Klarna, which is a um, Scandinavian system. It's an escrow service to build trust in online commerce. That's how Alipay started. As more services were added, it's ended up today that some of the um, T-Bow Mal merchants are getting thousands of loans a year. But when I say it's a loan, it's like I can get this money straight away as an escrow loan. And I can have it uh, from anything from a dollar to $10,000. And I can have it for any time from five minutes to five months. And there's no limits. And so that's something that's all, you know, a massive change in thinking. Uh, and it's similar to what the Weibao um, money market fund that you mentioned. Weibao, to me, is not a money market fund. It's a float mechanism to move money between my balance I'm spending on T-Bow and other Alibaba platforms and my savings to get interest whilst I'm not using that balance. So uh, people just switch between Weibao and Alipay at will. And there's no sort of um, major jump between the two, going back to what I was saying about it, it's all seamlessly integrated. And then mm -hmm. one of the other key things is that a lot of people who historically could never get access to a bank branch, let alone an account for savings and investments can now get that because this is offered to people anywhere in China, even in the remotest villages of you know, the north of China, the south of China, the west of China. It, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. You can get access to all these services in real time through the network. And that's the whole point of what I'm making in most of my books, to be honest, but Digital Human just really clarifies that and reinforces that to say when the fourth revolution of humanity, digital, digitalization, includes everyone, and it doesn't matter where you are, how remote you are, you can be an entrepreneur, you can trade and transact, and you can become a billionaire. I mean, we mentioned Paytm earlier, and Vijay Shakashama is interviewed in the book, and he started life 10 years ago developing the ideas of Paytm when he was homeless and had no money. At Jack Ma, one of the richest guys in the world, um, was unemployable when he was in his tw early 20s. Um, and yet the networks allowed those people to become billionaires. Vijay Shakashama is, is India's youngest billionaire, worth almost $10 billion today, because of the mobile network financial inclusion and the opportunity of the digital economy of the 21st century. Right. Very interesting. Um, Chris, this was uh, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Tatiana. Really enjoyed it. Yep, and thank you for listening to INV Unfiltered.